Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst-case scenario. In my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado Smith, and I am the alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest disasters and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Capron Funicular Disaster. Here's what you need to know. Capron is a quaint village in Austria, located 60 miles southwest of Salzburg. It is a popular destination for skiers and snowboarders, thanks to the towering slopes of the local Kitzensteinhorn Mountain. In 1974, a funicular railway was built to transport skiers from Capron to Kitsteinhorn, which is a type of cable railway that connects two points on a steep slope. The two cars move in concert, one ascending while the other one descends. In 1993, the Capron funicular was updated to give the train cars a sleeker, futuristic look. The system is ingenious but simple. There are two trains, each one balancing the other. As one climbs, its twin across the tunnel descends. The first unusual thing I noticed was the smoke. It was like a cigarette that you put down for a moment. Smoke from the cab starts to seep into the rest of the car. Passengers grow concerned, then agitated. There are no smoke alarms to alert either the train attendant or the control room. 
the modernized railway was 3,900 meters long, or 12,800 feet, and 3,300 meters, or 10,800 feet of the track was inside a tunnel. The trains had no engines or fuel tanks, not even a driver. There was merely one attendant at the front of the train who operated the hydraulic doors. On November 11th, 2000, an electric fan heater caught fire in an unattended cab at the back of the ascending train. About 600 yards into the tunnel, the train came to a sudden halt. The pipes carrying hydraulic fuel from the brake system had been melted by the fire, thus triggering the train's safety feature. The passengers closest to the fire had no way of contacting the attendant about the escalating fire. By the time the attendant realized the train was on fire, he tried to open the doors, but the loss of hydraulic pressure caused the doors to malfunction. Of the 167 passengers on board, 12 were able to escape after breaking a window and traveling down past the fire and out of the tunnel. Dozens of people were already unconscious due to the toxic fumes. The attendant was eventually able to open the hydraulic doors, and the passengers who were still able to flee ran out of the burning train, but many made a fatal mistake. At that point, the tunnel was functioning like a chimney, sucking the oxygen from the opening at the bottom and sending the toxic fumes and smoke rapidly up to the top of the tunnel. Of the passengers who managed to get out, most of them ran up the tunnel, away from the fire. The train's attendant also followed suit. Not a single one of them made it out of the tunnel alive. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats A total of 155 people died in the Capron funicular disaster. Among them were 92 Austrians, 37 Germans, 10 Japanese, 8 Americans, 4 Slovenes, 2 Dutch, 1 person from the Czech Republic, and 1 from Great Britain. Entire families were lost in the disaster, including many young people and children. Several bodies were burned beyond recognition and were only identifiable using DNA from toiletries in their hotel rooms. Of the 161 passengers and one attendant on board the ascending car, only 12 people survived. The attendant and single passenger on the descending car also died from the toxic smoke in the tunnel. Three people who had been in the Alpen Center at the top of the railway were unable to escape in time and died of asphyxiation. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello, hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi, everyone. And our very special guest is our friend, actor, comedian, dancer, Vegas superstar, Mm -hmm. and host... (laughs) Of the Side Hustle podcast, Sarah Lowe. Well, hello. Yes. <laughs> and the crowd best. goes wild. Yeah, this is my best <sighs> podcast voice. Hello, I'm a host of a podcast. <laughs> Pretty convincing. Nobody's, no one's ever going to listen to it now. <laughs> okay, the, disqualified. Um, Sarah, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your show? 
uh, the Side Hustle podcast is uh, co-hosted with me and Chelsea Phillips-Reed. We are two performers in Las Vegas. Uh, Chelsea is the MC of Magic Mike Live, and uh, I perform in the Atomic Saloon show as well as Absinthe, uh, both Spiegel World shows here in Las Vegas. And we decided to start a podcast about jobs, not just any jobs, the mm. jobs that you uh, have to do while getting the jobs you want to do, mostly <laughs> showbiz mm. jobs. Uh, so we've all, you know, especially as performers coming up in the biz, have mm-hmm. had to do, I don't know, cater waitering, bar and bat mitzvahs. Uh, just the weirdest, wackiest jobs, and there's always a good story behind it. So we love having friends on and uh, different people in the industry and just kind of interviewing them and finding out what their weirdest, wildest, wackiest side hustle is. It's a Mm. really great show, and I really recommend it to our listeners, especially, I love to listen to it to kind of like get, I just feel like I'm in Vegas, like I'm getting the inside scoop of everything that is happening, you know, behind the glitz and glamour of, you know, Vegas. Mm-hmm. Can you hear the slot machines jingling in the background during your entire podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we make sure we do it on a casino floor. That's Good. Yeah. yeah, we can't get enough. Yeah, I mean, Vegas has does particularly have some of the wildest side hustles because there's always a convention center gig or there's just these really extra... I mean, there's extravagantly wealthy people everywhere, but because it's Vegas and, you know, quote unquote, the entertainment capital of the world, it ends up that we have like you know, a child's birthday party, a one-year-old's birthday party that is like just children. And Chelsea had to go and she was supposed to play Dorothy, but the person who hired her didn't realize it was for a one-year-old. And so she was in a sexy Dorothy costume. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. So it's just like things like that where she's like in, you know, a Legs Avenue tiny skirt with one-year-olds who could barely walk just, you know, looking up. <laughs> bless bless yeah so so we we like to start off our show by asking our guests what is something that is recently alarming you what is keeping you up at night <laughs> mm. uh, uh i mean how long is this podcast it's about an hour so oh man yeah you can't go on and on like your answer has to be like kind of just one small thing like it can't okay. be okay uh, keeping me up at night. Literally the fires. Mm. Mm. They are, you know, there are no fires here in Las Vegas, but mm. our, our skies are covered with them because yeah. they, uh, you can't, you, you can't see. You can't even see the strip from a house and it's not that far. Um, it's Humble just, brag. Uh, <laughs> or not. You don't want to live this. <laughs> yeah. More like, uh, give me money so I can move away. No, um, it's uh yeah and so like my husband and my children and everybody's allergies are just like this awful so that uh it keeps me up at night like as the the world is catching on fire like uh global warming but it also keeps me up at night because then nobody can breathe so my husband's Mm. like snoring and then my son needs a breathing treatment and so i i actually can't sleep at night wow that is yeah Nobody's ever answered that question, what keeps you up at night, with an actual literal answer of what actually keeps you yes, up at night. Yes, but also like bigger, uh, uh, you know, it, it was macro and micro. Macro all and at micro. Once, and I really applaud you. That personal was and professional. It was. <laughs> I feel like she also really like is handing you the perfect baton, Rebecca. I know. Yes. It's, and I, I I'm going to mess this it. up. Do I'm going to mess this no, up. No, you're not. Okay. I have faith in you. And, you know, the fires are just, it's, 
a perfect segue into this terrible disaster that was actually consumed by fire. Um, I, 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 thank you. You did it. Thank Don't you. panic. I did. You did a great job. Going. <laughs> I know, I know. It. it was going to The point well. of segueing is to go on to the okay, next subject. But you know what? I, I started thinking, you know what it was that I started thinking about what that it was a great segue that I was doing and then I was thinking about what a terrible mm. disaster it was. And I yeah. think that's why mm. I get uh, these segues are not bad, are, are not good. Um, because I start thinking, I, I, it's just one of these disasters that will keep you up at night, at night and mm-hmm. will, uh, there was so much that went wrong and uh, the, the, the idea of being stuck somewhere with impending doom is just so terrifying to me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and what these people must have gone through um, I, I can't imagine. Um, mm-hmm. So let's start by first discussing what is a funicular? How does it work? Mm-hmm. Because Speaking of a segue. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I could not understand. It, it took me a little while to understand what this kind of device was. So it also took me a minute to understand how to pronounce it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took me uh, a, a Google search, actually. Mm-hmm. Same. Same. Rebecca's one of those repeat customers of the how to pronounce this uh, on, on YouTube, like, you yeah, know, I, where sure. they have words. I that keep you need the to lights pronounce. on over there at howtopronounce.com. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, but at least, like, you speak two languages. I have only ever spoken English, and I still also keep the lights on over there. Cause <laughs> I sound that out. I'm, on that. I don't think it sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> so this is according to ridetheincline.com. And how it works is conventional, conventional trains using steel wheels on a steel track could never efficiently climb a track as steep as most funicular railways. Steel wheels are used to decrease rolling resistance, which improves the efficiency of trains on flat ground, but would hinder their ability to get traction up steep slopes. The incline railway and funicular railways in general solve this problem by pulling trains up steep grades with a cable. With this cable, the steel wheels don't need to have traction, but can be used primarily to guide the train along the tracks. The funicular railway is made even more efficient by counterbalancing two train cars on the same track and using the weight of one to help pull the other up the mountain. The incline has two cars that ride on the same single mile long track. When the cars come close together, the track splits into two as a passing loop for both cars to pass one another. The single track passing loop system is used in funicular railways across the world. So I can already tell Sarah's uh, still confused. Um, (laughs) I am too. I'm a visual learner, so I'm going to have to look this up. I heard on a podcast someone explain it a way that I understood. So it's like if you throw a rope over a tree branch, right? Okay. And you put two weights on that branch. If one goes, if you pull one side of the rope, uh, if you pull one side of the rope down, the other one will go up, mm. right? Mm. And then if you pull that one that's up, down, the one to the left is going to go up, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think it's weight-related yes. too, right? So it's like you're basically using the... It's like efficient in the sense that it's pulling itself. Like it's not... You're not having to produce a ton of energy to 
get it up the mountain. Copy. So both both cars would have to have a similar amount of weight. Yeah. And they move simultaneously. So they're on one track. Like they're always oh. going to be moving at the same yes. time. They can't stop Now I know what you're talking about. Uh, I've seen that. I've seen it in action. Yeah. I didn't know they were both. Yeah, they're both relying on one going up and one going down. Yeah, they're connected. The so what is the difference between a funicular and a cable car, right? Because when you, when you think of skiing, you think of cable cars up in the air. Mm. This is different. Mm. This is an actual train. A cable car is superficially similar to a funicular, but differs from such a system in that its cars are not permanently attached to the cable and can stop independently, whereas funicular cars that are permanently attached to the propulsion cable, which is itself stopped and started. Okay. Uh, Whereas a funicular has cars that are permanently attached. Okay. So there, there were a couple of ways to make it up to the top of the mountain in this particular uh ski you know slope uh one was by cable car which took 13 minutes the other option was the nine minute funicular train ride so many chose this option because it got you there four minutes earlier and if you want to be the first on the slope that day every minute counts i mean that's you know typical american (laughs) i need to go first how do i get there faster give it to me now it's interesting, yes, because this was, uh, again, this was in Austria. So, <laughs> yes, I'm aware of it. As I said it, I was like, this is in America. But, but I feel like it just had to say it. <laughs> I, as, I, as I said it, I realized it was another A. It, just <laughs> it is typical of Americans, maybe not in this instance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess it's typical of Austrians as well. I I'm going to go through. ahead and say Austrians do this as well. Yes. <laughs> Great. And in all likelihood, uh, if we're looking for a pattern, probably Australians and Afghanistani as well. Thank you. I, Anything with an Australia? A? Australians <laughs> mm-hmm. probably are more guilty. <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll 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 fact check that. Uh, All of Asia. Quick. I'll go to All, yeah. All of Asia. All of Asia. Anything with an A. So <laughs> we could. I guess we could start off by you know uh, ski fever, putting ski fever up on the board, which we will actually come back to. But for now, let's just say perhaps ski fever. Now let's talk okay. about a little bit of a timeline for uh, what happened. On uh, November 11th of 2000. So it's 8.57 a.m. The train arrives at the station. People shuffle in. Amongst them is a ski club from Germany. And uh, also a a part-time volunteer firefighter happens to be uh, in the crew. Uh, His name is Erwin Goetz. At 9 a.m., the train sets off to the tunnel and seconds while it's into the seconds into the train ride a passenger in the back cab spots a weird smell so it's it, it smells like smoke that was coming from the rear attendant's cab there's no attendant inside that cab the only attendant in the whole train is in the front cab mm. okay mm. so this is this is key the smoke eventually starts to enter the passenger cab. And as it gets worse, people start panicking inside. Uh, So if you think about it, there's different cabs in this funicular uh, train. Kind of like 
you know, when you get on an airport uh, train shuttle between terminals, mm-hmm. yeah. it looks like mm-hmm. that, but it's going steep. It's very steep mm-hmm. incline. Um, so people are panicking. There are no smoke alarms. There are no intercoms or radios in the cabs. There was no way to contact for help. I think it's worth noting that uh, just after you saying all of that, that it is the year 2000. That's exactly what yes. I was going to say, Clayton. I was going to say, we're not talking about something that was old timey. We're talking about no. 21 years ago, like in our lifetime. So uh, maybe not me because I'm 21. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the day after you were born. Yeah, you're like after. a little baby, but like <laughs> still. Fetus. <laughs> but I was still sad about it. But uh, no, I just it, that makes that is upsetting. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. We have we have made these mistakes before, <laughs> right? So many times. He, and and what's even more upsetting, which we'll talk about in one second, is that we had cell phones. Cell phones yeah. were already a thing. Okay, but we we digress. We're talking about timelines here. We're learning about timelines. <laughs> okay. Suddenly, the train stopped inside uh, just after they entered the tunnel. The attendant up at the front was confused. He had no idea what was happening in the back because he couldn't see and he couldn't communicate with the passengers inside the back cab. When the control room calls the attendant, he told them that he didn't know what was going on. (laughs) Okay? So let's not just, okay. No, n- exactly. Not okay. So let's pause and let's put a lack of safety mechanisms and protocols up on the board. Because yeah. how, how big mean, is it? Sorry, go ahead, Sarah. No, do you think that they ever had like a hey? Let's just have like a drill. Like, did they ever run <laughs> a fire like, drill? <laughs> no, a fire like any drill. Like, hey, let's just say somebody. Uh, get sick or something happens or like how do we get in touch with each other or how do mm-hmm. we let the cars know what's happening no no we're just eh. it'll be fine we'll figure it out in the moment it's austria <laughs> um well how big is the car the uh, the cab the that cab because there's I'm an attendant sure. at the front of it yeah okay but not one in the back yes and these are the cabs are not are like separate from the attendant like cars. Car. Right. Yeah. Let me let me look so into how big. There's, the car I, I was. believe there's no. There wasn't even a window where he could see. But even if there was a window, he could. He would have only been able to see the cab that was up in the front. The fire though started in the bottom or in the back right. of the train, so he wouldn't have been able to see it even if there was a window from the attendant. Is there an you know, attendant area. car in the back as well? Like, there is because the back <laughs> turns into the front, right? At, yes. At yes, a certain point. There is a, an attendant car in the in the back, but there was no attendant inside of it. And that is where the actual fire starts coming from. God, if only it had been in that top cap, you know, and they were all able to go the other way. I it's know. Like, it's that's ugh. that's it's a sucky thing to to think about. Um, okay, so there there's no fire regulations for uh, the specific design of car because it wasn't motorized and was believed to be fireproof. Oh, so d- what people just this believe? is a problem. Like, this is hey, a problem. <laughs> I also sell uh, fireproof cabin uh, train cars. Would you like this? It's a cardboard. Yes, but just go with me. It it's- is. Fireproof. <laughs> we can believe everything to be fireproof until fire just obliterates it. Yeah. It's true. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like fires, nothing has ever stopped a fire. No. Right. Water, water can put it out. But even like that, a fire. even that, you need an exorbitant amount of water. Yeah. Yeah. You can light a fire on top of water. No. Yes. You put chemicals on water and you light that stuff, it's burning. <laughs> You're, it's just never say anything is fireproof and don't say anything is unsinkable. And don't yep. say anything can't fall down from the sky. So keep so your, just we, keep your damn mouth shut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just don't ever, say anything. anything. Don't. <laughs> um, and this kind of, uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and put up on the board, because this is uh, falling into a listener suggestion we had. And this is coming from Kelly Sh- Shaddle. Ke- Kelly Shadle, maybe. Um, and they say... Pompeian reassurance is definitely to blame for this one. Believing that something can't happen because it hasn't happened in the past is all sorts of messed up. If they had a better, uh, if they had been better prepared for a fire and had better safety features in place, this tragedy could have had a different outcome. So Pompeian reassurance. It's kind of like, I think that's a really fun way of saying like, like human ego or, you sure. know hubris yes hubris man's yeah. hubris humans hubris chris we're humans, humans. <laughs> it's it's say it's the it's the exact what could go wrong it's that yep. thought you know that's yeah. like uh i don't know lots of things <laughs> you know this is i you know sarah's a mom it, it's just like and i'm 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 not a mom, but I'm a woman. And I feel like, I don't know. I'm sure there are men out there. Clayton, you also kind of tend to think this way, but we're always thinking of everything that can go. Oh, Chris feels a little left out. Go ahead. Finish your thought. (laughs) I'm just saying we're thinking about what could go wrong. It's Mm -hmm. like we are we are thinking about what could go wrong. Chris. We should all enter every situation thinking, what am I going to do when something tries to kill me in this particular place? Not Absolutely. according I just, to Rebecca. I don't. I just walk along the street with like, like with my eyes closed, like sort of just we, like walking to oncoming traffic, like whistling right. and waving you're at people right. and just like jump off bridges like willy nilly, I guess. I mean, no, I don't right, know Chris. what kind of world... I live in that she leaves me out of that. She's like, well, moms, me and Clayton, we all really think about like what could go wrong. Uh, But like, like someone like Chris, for example, (laughs) like I I have tap dance practice on the roof, like routinely. (laughs) So like you, uh, I think it's actually a compliment. You know, you're you don't think what could go wrong. You think what could go right. Oh, you know? that's, that's nice. sweet. <laughs> it takes it takes a real brave soul to tap dance on a roof. <laughs> <laughs> Not recommended, people. Yeah, just a no. ham. Actually, I'm just a ham. <laughs> I just like no. to show my moves off to the neighbors. <laughs> Chris, do Chris is included in this, uh, but I just want to read something from Rail System, <laughs> and they said the unit had its fire extinguisher out of the passenger's reach in the sealed attendance compartments. No smoke. Sealed. Yeah. No smoke detector existed on board. The passengers had no method of contacting the attendant. Professor Joseph Nejez, a funicular train expert, said that the design throughout the years had a perception that a fire could not occur since no fire had occurred in a funicular cabin prior to the, the Caprun disaster. So also, there was no sprinkler systems inside the tunnel. 
Um, and they uh, to put out, the, which could have put out the flames. There was no fireproof emergency refuge or an evacuation tunnel through which the passengers might have escaped. There's all, there are also conflicting reports about whether the train's door remains closed, uh, remained closed, sealing the passengers into the burning train. So there was no way to open the doors. Just a friendly reminder, it's still the year 2000. Yep, yep. You talked about cell phones, you talked about, how is there not a fire extinguisher readily available in every cab? Yes. Mm. That's, that that would have been solved with a quick drill, like you had recommended earlier. And how is there not in in a train tunnel... A sprinkler system that somebody right. wasn't like mandated to be installed, or a fire alarm, or a smoke detector, a smoke yeah. detector, a smoke because someone said it wasn't. Uh, you know, these things are fireproof, fireproof, so we don't have to do that. And stuff. and their main reason for saying that was because it wasn't operated by an engine. Is that what I'm to understand? Like that's why they really thought it was not going to light on fire. Yeah, and because we'll, yeah, so. so I mean, right? Like what? Because it didn't have an engine. Does it also the no gasoline the that it was made of not fireproof? Does it? And the, the biggest liability here is people. Yes. Just because the train is not like you, you think it's not going to catch on fire. That doesn't and mean some bozo walks yeah. on with a lighter or a cigarette or whatever mm-hmm. and starts a fire. Or a, what if a liar came in? Liar, liar, and his pants and suddenly his pants are on, on fire. fire. Totally yeah. on fire. And Chris would have walked right in. You know, he yes, Chris he doesn't look fire. around when I don't. He, when I, he, I literally, <laughs> I don't. I put on my blinders on, and I'm literally walking around with your eyes closed, with my eyes yeah. closed. Yeah, into any bad you need situation. To be careful. Talking to the liar, asking him questions. I routinely nap on the stove yeah. while it's on. He sat next to the pants on fire. Yeah. And he's like, hey, bro, your pants. Where'd you get them? Cool pants. Those, those, cool. Pants, those yeah. pants are fire. No, those pants, pants are lit. Are lit. <laughs> so let's put a few things up on the list that will go yes. quickly. Um, double paned windows. Inside the train, people tried to break open the windows with their ski poles, but they were double-paned, which made it much harder, right? Um, So once people inside started trying to open the doors, there was no emergency release, and it wasn't until 9.08 that the attendant finally realized that there was a fire, and he called the control room. So this is, the train left at 9.00. It's been eight minutes, and someone ha- started spotting the smoke right away, right seconds after the train uh, started, uh, went on its way. It was already too late. It was too mm-hmm. late. Mm-hmm. Let's also put up on the board a blackout. So this is according to railsystem.net. The train conductor who was in the cabin at the upper end of the train, which was the front since the train was ascending, realized a fire had broken out, reported it to the control center, and attempted to open the hydraulically operated train doors. But the system pressures... but the system pressure loss prevented them from operating. The train conductor then lost contact with the control center because the fire burned through a power cable running the length of the track, causing a total blackout inside this tunnel. There were no emergency lights even. So somebody just dug a tunnel and was like, it's good. (laughs) Put a train in it. We're ready. That's what it feels like. I mean, 
and and why did why did it stop? Did it stop because of the fire? Why didn't we keep going through the? T- did the conductor stop it? Because I, I I I think I'm confused a little bit because I thought once once it was going, you it didn't stop. So the conductor did not stop it manually. It stopped because of the fire. I see. It just because it had yes. yeah. It, the hydraulic fluid had leaked out, and when it lost that pressure, it did, the, the train apparently did have some safety protocol, so right. it just stopped itself because mm. it was like, "Oh, the brake fluid is gone, so we should stop in case this gets out of control." Mm. Uh, it had a safety feature. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so there, another thing because up on the was, board. I mean, the concern is that it's going to go too fast, and that's it. That's the only thing that's that the can only go thing. wrong. <laughs> when they sold the train car, they were like, "Listen, it's fireproof," and they were like, "But." Speed proof, and they're like, ah, good, good question. Good call. We'll put, put that hydra- those hydraulics yeah. on. <laughs> Fixed, done. Put it in this dug, freshly dug out tunnel with no, <laughs> no, no lights system, or, or, no sprinklers. or sprinklers. <laughs> Jesus, um, no cell phone, no cell reception. We can put that oh. up on the board. Right. It's two thousand, so some of the passengers did have cell phones on the train. Unfortunately, because the train had stopped inside the tunnel, there was no cell reception. Those stuck inside the train couldn't even use their phones to call for help. I mean, I, uh, we had cell phones. It was early days of cell yes, phones. Yes, it was like yeah. you had but, a Nokia. You had that yeah, flat, you, small Nokia. And if you were in Austria skiing, you probably, I mean, this is an assumption, but you probably had some kind of access. I mean, so you probably had like a better Nokia phone. It wasn't just like mm. the mm. crappy one from... Mm whatever that you got handed down to you. It's like a new phone. So you'd hope it'd work really well. But, but cell, but, uh, I don't know what, what do you call them? Towers? How do we, how do phones work? Yeah, how do cell phones work? Towers. They, they bounce off towers, but there is no like infrastructure like there is today. No. You're not like getting right. 5G reception. Nope. No. Wired you, in. They, they might, they might not have even had cell like on the mountain. Yes. It's That's true. true. It, bad, bad case. It's I can't imagine the the panic and fear that these people must have felt mm. inside these cabs, knowing that there was an emergency and there they couldn't call right. for help, and that that it was the smoke was coming in. No, and that is part of the things that we teach that was taught to us that we teach our kids, which is like you know, okay, you call for help. Here's what you do in in an emergency, and one of the first things we always do is call for help. So there's mm-hmm. no possible way to call for help. Then mm. then that then you're in an immediate panic already. Yes. Oh, God. Sarah, in your shows that you do in Vegas, do you guys have uh, fire drills for the theaters? That's a, uh, that's a great question. We it, It's basically like on the training. Uh, for example, like I wasn't hired uh, in the original company. Mm. So when you come in, you have you are taught like they do do a talk through fire and safety drills, but also mm-hmm. safety drills include like. Uh, there are like apparatuses that hang from the ceiling, so there's oh there's, yeah, there's like right. all sorts of fire and safety drills, and and um, you know that's just a great point, Chris. Like anytime you go anywhere, and I, I hate to say this to you because I know that you like living on the edge and just flailing wildly. Into <laughs> well, prison. I just don't care, and I don't think <laughs> right? about anything that could bring me danger. <laughs> but in a in a theater, you should know where all of the exits are when mm-hmm. you come in, in mm-hmm. case there is said fire or some kind of emergency you know where to go right away i've heard that not some losers that. live live their life like that but mm-hmm. not me mm-hmm. if i happen to see a fire exit i sort of scramble it out of my mind really quick. Cool. <laughs> well okay 
We need to put up the tunnel, a.k.a. the stairway to hell up on the board. This is this is one of the worst parts. Yeah, this is the one of the worst parts of this tragedy. So this is according to The Independent. Experts say that the skiers fell victim to the chimney effect, a whirlwind of fire and smoke rising rapidly from below. Fran Schausberger, the governor of Salzburg province, said that the blaze spread at a raging speed like a chimney. Opening the doors in such an emergency would have been suicidal. It would have created a draft fanning the flames and enveloping the top section of the tunnel in dense smoke. Rescuers say that the only possible escape route turned into a stairway to hell. A great many of the bodies were found not inside the train, but on the stairs above the carriages. The passengers tried to run, but they were overtaken by smoke. Since the train was designed as fireproof, the fire gate fitted at both ends of the tunnel did not have to close automatically such a system mm. triggered by smoke detectors would have prevented the chimney effect effect and choked off the flames oxygen supply fire doors are used in many other tunnels and also in funicular railway tracks similar to cap rooms but this alpine metro had had no serious mishaps since 1974 and I'm going to go on. Railsystems.net says the passengers by the stage, uh, by this stage, aware of the fire and unable to exit through the doors, attempted to smash the brake resistant acrylic glass in order to escape. Eleven passengers from the rear of the train who successfully broke a window followed the advice of another escaped passenger who had been a volunteer firefighter. This is that guy gets um, uh, for 20 years and traveled downward past the fire and below the smoke. Many of the still trapped occupants had not had by now lost consciousness due to the toxic fumes. Eventually, the conductor was able to unlock the doors, allowing them to be manually forced open by the remaining conscious passengers who spilled out into the tunnel and fled upwards and away from the fire. The tunnel acted like a giant chimney sucking oxygen from the bottom and rapidly sent the poisonous smoke heat and fire itself billowing upwards all the passengers ascending on the foot as well as the train conductor were asphyxiated by the smoke and then burned by the raging fire so it was the 11 who went down and i'll tell you why this is so crazy in order to go downhill you had to pass the fire Mm -hmm. if you went up or down that decision seemed to be a life or death decision right the trick Mm -hmm. what, what was going on was that Going up meant that you were going away from the fire toward the Alpen Center, uh, which was a commerce area. So you, that's where you, I would have naturally headed towards. Yeah. Going down meant that you had to go past the fire, walk towards this steep mountainside, and risk the possibility of the train breaking away from the cable mm-hmm. and falling mm. towards you. It's basically a counterintuitive decision you had yes. to make just basically because you... If if somebody was there to tell you why, like this firefighter or yeah. some sort of sa- person who was there to look after people's safety in that way, then they would have known better. But you're, mm-hmm. you're right. It is sort of counterintuitive to go toward the fire, but that would be the only way that people would survive. Yeah. Well, and at that point, you're so... Uh, we are looking for somebody to tell us what to do, right? Yeah. It, your Your mm-hmm. brain is so crazy that the minute somebody says, you know... Go this way. You, mm. uh, okay. Yeah. 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 And it, apparently the volunteer firefighter did try to convince people to follow him 
to go down with him. Hmm. And 11 people did? 11 people did. Wow. But many, I even heard that the, the person who was able to break the, the window, the, that person who got the window open ended up and was in the cab with the firefighter ended up going up hmm. versus hmm. going down. Well, then there's the other. I mean, we know he's a volunteer firefighter now because we're reading about it. Right. But, but in the moment, how is he, first of all, going to sell the fact that he knows better? In a split second, you have to convince somebody. Yeah. And then convince them to follow you in a life or death scenario it must have been and and then i'm all i'm all i'm sure you're also you know battling you know what uh, you probably can't see anything you're having trouble breathing obviously i mean it's just oh nightmare what a a nightmare yeah but if he's like my name is john gets and i gets it now get with the program and follow me there you go i I think he was Irwin. i'm a volunteer oh yeah that's the hollywood version (laughs) yeah get if you want to get with the program, yes. he gets on board. <laughs> and in that in that scenario, you call yourself John. It's a more convincing sort of hero name, mm. I think, than Irwin. I think so. Just call Split yourself John. Split like second decisions Sarah, you have to make. Yeah. Sarah did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he, this guy was a hero, and he really he does deserve the big clap. Um, but uh, it, it's just so sad. Um, I, I what's so scary about this scenario is that if I was in that cab. I would have made a fatal decision, I think. Not after mm. listening, not, not, we won't now that we've listened to this podcast. Right. Well, the, the, the reason why that chimney effect took place was because, we, like we're saying, this tunnel did not have the safety measure, measure of doors that would close off in the case of a fire, which yeah, that makes true. perfect sense, I, I guess, when you think about it, as you cut off the oxygen, the, 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 yeah. the, the fire has nothing to, to fuel off, uh, to mm-hmm. sort yeah. of... That would have been Consume. helpful. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, like this is the first time I really understand the chimney effect. Right. I wouldn't know right. that going into this, especially if you're just going for a ski. Yeah. Oh. You think you're just getting on. Yeah. You're on vacation. Yeah. Your your head is not in that space. Well, and you're taking a shortcut. I know. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, there's a few other things we have to put up on the board. Those. Yes. And okay. one of them is this. Should we put the chimney effect in there? Uh, yeah, that, I think the tunnel encompasses the, the chimney effect. We can call yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Um, well, w- does the conductor go on the board? Must. The, the you mean the uh, the attendant, right? The attendant. Yeah. And, yeah, because because I mean whoever. I mean, the head of the company or who the head of whatever, right? Like, who puts it like, what was the attendant's training? And like, who puts him in the thing? And if he's not, if he's just the attendant, then mm-hmm. what's he supposed to do? What's his function? Great mm-hmm. question. I don't know. I don't know what kind of training these attendants got. I think we, we need to put up the, the train operators who are, are the attendant, the suppliers mm-hmm. of the train for like what Sarah said, you know, saying just fireproof, it's fine. And uh, the inspectors, uh, who I guess missed that the fire extinguishers were, were not accessible to the passengers. Um, yes. Huge oversight. Um, let's talk about these lawless snowboarders. So traditionally, a large snowboard party takes place at Capron during the second week in November to celebrate the start of the winter season. This meant that the town was full of skiers and snowboarders, and there was also going to be a snowboarding competition later that day. Seconds from Disaster a documentary said, within hours of the accident, the based and based purely on speculation, journalists began publishing theories 
The Times of London suggested that snowboarders may have been to blame. Quote, Top boarders carry small aerosol sprays to wax their boards, and boarders do not worry uh, uh, over much about the no smoking signs. That that communication may have made some con- may have had some contribution to the disaster on Saturday. The paper went on to accuse snowboarders as a group of peop- uh, people. The paper seemed to consider synonymous with teenagers. Some snowboarders may have been lighting firecrackers in celebration of opening day of the season. So these initial uh, press reports spoke about snowboarders carrying flammable liquids or fireworks, which were banned. But hmm. forensic experts later found no trace of either. So this is just media snapping judgments? This was like the off. first thing that was blamed right so after. That's a bunch of BS, if you ask me. Totally. Yeah, that's like, oh, if these kids, if these kids right. weren't on our mountain, we wouldn't have a fire. Yeah, it's like... It's convenient. It's like an easy place yeah. to put your grief. Yeah, they're an easy target because snowboarders are definitely cooler than you. Like, because you work at, a, <laughs> at a, like a, a newspaper or whatever. They're laid so. back. They... they they have a reputation of being like Chris. Yeah. You know, right. they take Caref- their board and they just go. <laughs> yep. Carefree. Don't care about dangers ahead. No. Don't look at signs. Just, just throwing firecrackers wherever they can. <laughs> On trains. Yeah. Snowboarding off the roof. I'm going to yeah. take my aerosol spray and my firecracker and go up this mountain. Yeah. What could go wrong? So we can't put them on the, on the no, board, though, but right? No, I, I thought it should have been uh, at least stayed. They'll, they'll come off right away. It was sort of, they, part, yeah. of, sure. sort of, sort of part. It was part of the disaster. Um, yeah. And finally... I do want to put heaters up on the board. So this is according okay. to Seconds from Disaster documentary. During the train's modernization, the attendance cabs were made more comfortable. Electric fan heaters were installed to keep the cabs warm during the freezing winter months. When temperatures can plummet to uh, below 20 degrees Celsius, and they're located beneath the control panels where smoke was first spotted. When investigators checked out the manufacturer's instructions for the heaters, they uncovered a terrible oversight. Incredibly, the train's heaters heater is designed for use in the home, not for moving vehicles. Mm. On the sister train, the investigators noticed that the mount for the heating element was broken, meaning it could easily get jammed against its plastic casing and catch fire. Further study proved that four out of five heaters of this type had the same defect. Four out of five heaters. I mean, th- those are some pretty high odds. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. If, if it's four out of five here in Vegas, you're, you're betting on black, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've- I... I, I I just feel like that is a huge, uh, I, I, I love that like they just threw heaters in there. And, and as somebody who does not like to be cold, I would absolutely ask for a heater. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. This but, is why when like you rent it by the house, for example, you can't just like do whatever you want. Like people <laughs> inspect what you're doing because things that you're installing might actually be a fire hazard yes. or so- anything. Yeah. It's terrifying. I mean... Well, and that they read the instructions on the heater after this. I mean, this is just a a, this whole thing is a disaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I I mean, there's even more that we could put up on the board. Uh, Well, you should mention this last one, the hydraulic oil. Yeah, let's let's put hydraulic oil up on the board. This is according to Professor Joseph Nejez, a funicular railway expert. Uh, and they say there is no other explanation than that 
This hydraulic oil originated from the damaged train itself. Hydraulic pipes are often not completely leak-proof, so a small amount of hydraulic oil may have seeped out. Then, Seconds from Disaster documentary said, the hydraulic system was a new feature installed during the 1993 refit. 120 liters of the flammable hydraulic oil run in pipes along the 61-meter train. The control panel in the guard's compartment houses a hydraulic pressure gauge uh, and oil pipes leading to the gauge pass within just a few centimeters of the faulty heater. Investigators determined that 14 minutes before the disaster, as passengers were entering the train in the empty attendance cab, a dribble of hydraulic oil was dripping down the pipes into the heater, which came which came on automatically during the station stops. A design fault caused the unit to overheat. Hydraulic oil seeped into the red-hot heater element and fire breaks out unnoticed before the train leaves the station. As As the train approached the tunnel, flames from the heater melted the leaking pipes. Oil gushed out of the pipes, soaking the plastic floor. Furthermore, the loss of hydraulic fluid also led to the loss of pressure, causing the hydraulic braking system to automatically engage and halt the train inside the tunnel during its ascent. So it was was the little bit of hydraulic fluid that fell into interacting the with the heater yeah. the heater which was sort of not approved for this no just like a rinky no. dink home heater home, mm, home heater which those are very dangerous never sleep with a home heater on by the way yeah. yes well we know that oh three of now. us out of the four of us yeah no i have no idea and believe me i don't <laughs> this care this is news to chris <laughs> um we are we are we are over going long we are so over. we gotta so let's give it that ad line and yeah. be super efficient okay. about knocking the board off. So let's okay. just take a quick pause right now, and then we're going to start knocking things off the list. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, who's to blame for the Capron funicular disaster? Ski fever, lack of safety mechanisms and protocol, Pompeian reassurance, believing nothing can go wrong, mm. double-paned windows, blackout inside tunnel, question mark, no cell reception, the tunnel, a.k.a. stairway to hell chimney effect, train attendant, train suppliers, train inspectors, Lawless snowboarders, heaters, or hydraulic oil? So, good list. I think we can cross those lawless snowboarders off of it ASAP. Get them out of here. <laughs> they did nothing wrong. They just want to snowboard. Uh, along with ski fever. We it's should, like... And we should give the finger wa- the big finger wag to the media, to the media. who jump to conclusions. That's gross. About the lawless yeah. snowboarders. Yeah. Yeah. So... Get them off the board. I also think that the uh, no cell reception, I think, yes, mm. knock that off, too. Cause I, I think you're right. I think that, uh, you know, there should have been more protocols. You shouldn't have they shouldn't have been relying on cell phone reception to call right. anyone. Right. So, yeah, that's not. And, and ski fever as well, Clayton. Let's take that ski off. Ski fever? Yeah. Okay. I think double pane windows goes in the same. It's the same as the train suppliers. Like the the that feels like the it's one thing, right? Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. I think Wrap we can take that off. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think we might be able to take out the blackout inside of the tunnel because, um, it it, it goes more. I think lack of safety mechanisms and protocols. Like there should have been lights that turned on. And that also gets wrapped up into the tunnel itself. I mean, the design uh, and the chimney effect, all that is wrapped into what is this tunnel. Right, right. Which was just sort of poorly constructed and sort of considered. Yeah. There's something also to be said about this idea that it was some whoever just said that the train was not going to catch fire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever, like... Whatever that snake? is, I, what is that? Is that is that's that a snake oil salesman? That's a, that's a that's friggin- a snake oil salesman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what they say. Whatever they say, the, the salesman. You know, they they want to make that says. You yes. haven't bought anything from that salesman. <laughs> he's having a says. <laughs> uh, he's got to have a says and eat it too. So mm-hmm. I also think that uh, listen. Heaters and hydraulic oil were what, like, that's not to blame. That's what happens. Yes. When you that put them is, together. That's what caused the fire. That's not the, who's to, that's not who we blame. Mm, I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, some, but I'm, it's just like, I knew that in 2000. I knew yeah. that you do not, <laughs> it's 2000 and I, I knew that you don't sleep with a, a a home heater on. Like you are very careful. I moved 
maybe it was more 2001. I moved to New York in 2001 and I had one of those heaters because I was from Miami and I was very cold and I needed to sleep, you know. (laughs) And the first thing, my mom and the first thing that was on that thing, uh, on the label for that heater was don't sleep with this heater. And as much as I wanted to, because I was so cold, I would turn it off at night before I went to Mm -hmm. bed. So that's 2001. We knew that. I'm with you. Listen, I was just a baby in a bassinet. And we yeah. uh, we know this because we said that early. And I, but I remember because I have a really great memory. I remember my mom saying, "Oh, I should turn the heater off because that's de- that'll kill yeah, a baby." Even though you didn't even mm-hmm. know words back then, right? <laughs> but you knew that you mm-hmm. knew mom's turning the heater as off a, as a dumb, stupid newborn baby. I knew to turn a heater off. Oh, it's so upsetting. I can't. Do we want to wrap up train attendant, train suppliers, and train inspectors into lack of safety mechanisms and protocol? Because this really seems like it goes back to the construction and the concept of the the design of the the, um, funicular uh, train. I I agree. And for the record, I just want to say that there were 16 people who went to trial for this disaster. You're not going to like what the second part of the sentence is. Uh-oh. They were all acquitted. <gasps> mm-hmm. What? Well, they're not going to. Well, when it comes to nobody gets acquitted in the. In, in, not here. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, here. Trial of, <laughs> Unless we have a guest expert who later confirms that we made the wrong decision. Actually, yeah, and I then they get back. acquitted. There have been yeah. many acquittals, actually. <laughs> but they still spend some time in jail. Wrongly. Wrongly convicted. Uh, I, I was going to say, I feel like I've heard those episodes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, where are they going with this? Well, and for the record, those 60 of those 16 people were the train attendants, uh, the train suppliers and, and train inspectors. That's who that encompassed. Train suppliers. Sure. And the Sorry. Train ins- yeah. Inspectors, inspectors and suppliers. And, the, and sort of focusing on the heaters, too. Yeah. It was sort of like. The heaters ended the, up being. A sort of central component. Yeah. So, so did the people who made the heaters get in trouble or the people who installed the heater? I mean, people who put those heaters on the train? I, I mean, who? yeah, when they updated the train. I mean, it's just this is where it seems like there's so many people involved in things going wrong. And that the overarching thing is just like a lack of oversight. Yeah, it's like you could blame so many people because they all did one little thing that contributed to a bigger problem. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So we have and, a big decision here. You know, we have to choose from these three things that are still left on the list. Mm -hmm. Who is to blame and who gets the big slap? And what's still left up on the board is lack of safety mechanisms and protocol, Pompeian reassurance, believing nothing can go wrong, and the actual tunnel, a.k.a. the stairway to hell slash chimney effect. This is tricky. This is where anytime I listen to your podcast, I always feel like this is where it gets tricky. And this is Mm -hmm. where I start talking out loud in my car to you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because we have to talk it out. And we always hear you. Thank you. Also, I just want to say that, uh, you know, if it was between taking this funicular vehicle and what was the other thing? The 13 minute? Whatever. Oh, the I cable gone, car. Yeah. I also would have gone with this because fun is in the title. <laughs> you spell funicular yes. with F-U-N. How do you spell sure. fun? Funicular. Oh, like, right on that fun machine. That's a good so point. So that also goes into my Pompeian reassurance of like, ah, this, you know, this, it's, it's fun in the title. It'll be a great time. 
Like oh, I, I do think so this true. is this is a big that's a big one for me. Um, I also feel like a tunnel, like, again, there's so many tunnels all over the world and all kinds of trains going through these tunnels, right? So it's like, it's hard for me to think that the tunnel is at fault. The tunnel lacked certain safety things. Yes. So it's like, you can't blame the tunnel if someone doesn't build the tunnel right. I think that's a good point, Clayton. And this is where my head's at. I think that we should send the lack of safety mechanisms and protocols inside this tunnel uh, to the alarmist jail. And I think that we should give the pump our everyone's human Pompeian reassurance a big slap. You know, we believe I think you should believe that everything could go wrong. Mm-hmm. That's why you have a show. That's I think that's the whole. Yeah, I think like if anything, we've all learned something today. And the big slap is a slap in your face of reality. Oh, that's so true. I'm canceling my tap dance practice on the roof. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) For today. For today. I do do have a fiddle for you that I'd like you to start playing on the roof. (laughs) Well, before the show gets started, (laughs) I have to make this call. Pompeian reassurance. Believing that nothing can go wrong. You're getting the big slap. Lack of safety mechanisms and protocols in the tunnel. You're going to the alarmist jail. Hopefully uh, we got it right. You know, you just never know with these uh, things. <laughs> you could <laughs> suddenly get an expert on the show and, well, everything could change. <laughs> it, it could change in the blink of an eye, which is how we, which I think is what we did for Chris in this episode is we've changed his uh, his ways. And now he's going to think about it when he goes into mm-hmm. a theater. Can- he might. Yep. I've canceled. That's why we had this episode. This is really, Chris, this is a PSA for you. We did this because we're worried about you and you need help. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. if you if you uh, relate to Chris the most out of the four of us here, know that we're slapping you as well. (laughs) Know that you're cool. You are cooler than everybody. (laughs) No, no. We're slapping you. (laughs) Cancel that tap rehearsal. And may have been homecoming king, but you're getting a slap. That's right. Um, Sarah, I have to thank you so much for joining us today and helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the Capron funicular disaster. Uh, Disasters are terrifying, but it's been my pleasure and joy to be with you all today. Thank you so much for having me. After the Capron funicular disaster, several employees of the cable car operator and its manufacturer were charged with criminal negligence after the disaster in Capron. In 2004, all 16 of them were acquitted. Half of them were retried on appeal, but all acquitted once again. In June of 2008, the families of the victims were awarded restitution but most of the families feel there has never been proper accountability for the tragedy that took their loved ones, citing unfair trials and a corrupt system as roadblocks to meaningful justice. Vote for who you think is to blame by going to thealarmistpodcast.com. Follow us at The Alarmist The on Twitter, at The Alarmist Podcast on Instagram, or email us at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. 
Tune in next week. We'll be discussing who's to blame for the rise and fall of Quibi. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.